KOTOR. More like NOTOR. I don't get it. Did you hear about KOTOR? <laughs> I do, I do get it. <laughs> uh, a lot of groans as we enter the, the episode today. Uh, so let's just say welcome everybody to TRB. It is August. It's Andor month. James, it's Andor month. Wow. Andor month is here. 30 days away from Andor hitting Disney Plus with two episodes. Uh, so hope everyone, it's August is off to a great start. I know it's Monday. Sometimes people have the Monday blues. Uh, so we're here to hopefully cure those for you. As you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, it's just me and James today. If you're listening, uh, going to break that news to you. Lacey is uh, out today. She actually uh, has COVID. She, uh, I feel safe to say that she put it on Twitter. So uh, okay to say, but uh, hopefully still on the mend. So Lacey will be back with us uh, next Monday. So worry not. Uh, she's not gone for long. Just uh, trying to get better. And uh, me and James are here to hold down the fort. So Lacey, get better. And mm -hmm. we will see you soon. We talk to her every day to break the fourth wall. So uh, we'll talk to you later. But um, get well and uh, see you soon on the pod. Um, so uh, James, we are here. But yeah, KOTOR, uh, I figured just to open the show, we'll We'll toss that around. Since you and I aren't really big gamers, Lacey's more of our, our gamer, the three of us. But um, what were your what were your thoughts on on this? Because I know like this is a big like Kotor is like a big thing for a lot of people, and mm -hmm. I think a lot of people were really excited when they heard that they were finally doing sort of like a remake yeah. of that game. So uh, when you heard that news, were you like, "Here we go again," or or were you thinking about that uh, Eclipse game that was having the, the the all the drama and the stuff? Uh, so what, where were you at? Yeah, I feel like it's kind of unrelated to that. Like that obviously was more of like a political thing than than this seems more yeah. like a um, uh, societal setback. Like they like we're making budget cuts and things are getting put on the shelves. It didn't look like it was like canceled. It looks like it was just postponed indefinitely. Like yeah. we don't know how long it's going to take to get these people back. But I mean uh you're absolutely right like as far as like the video game world being something that like like for me like for me i think the big one is like final fantasy 7 specifically like that was a game that everybody grew up with and people had talked about like when are you gonna do a remake when are you gonna do a remake when are you gonna do a remake and they finally like when yeah. they announced it and they were like we're doing the final fantasy 7 remake and it's gonna be like next gen graphics and we're rebuilding everything it's gonna be so cool like that and it has had a lot of success like that that um as they roll out the next versions of it and to think that uh knights of the old republic is going to get something along those lines is very cool to think about but i know just looking at like how much uh square enix has put into that remake they're like this is bread and butter man we have to do this thing right so you're watching the game you're like holy crap man this is like hours and hours and hours and hours that go into like one third of what they plan to release you know so it's yeah. like i could see them being like this is a huge endeavor and we do not want to continue to move forward with it um a until we make sure that we have the right people to help us through that process and b um like sorry you can wait a few more years for this game it, like it has to be right there's no deadline for getting this thing out this is a remake that we are updating so years down the line, it's not that big of a deal to kind of um, reassess like two years later. Like, OK, well, we lost two years on this one, but where are we at? You know, can we update this and this? It might even be beneficial in the long run, too. So like 
I don't know. I mean, it's to me, it's not the same thing as that other thing, which I think like, you know, that looks really cool. But like, if that got canned, if that got shelved, no harm, no foul, like, <laughs> you know, we don't even know what it was uh, kind of thing. Um, whereas yeah. this, I think like if it, if it really did fall on such hard times that they said they were canceling it, you still got to think that they will do it eventually, you know, yeah. like if they don't do it now, because the whole thing happened, someone at some point, even if it's a different studio who picks up the rights to it or whatever is eventually going to go We're we're doing that game. But actually a good right. example of that might be like the force awakens. Like, eventually George Lucas is probably going to do these movies and it's like, okay, well it had to be sold to a different company before somebody else was like, we know you want it. It's money. We're going to make yeah. it. So. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it was 19 years ago. I think the original game was it 2003. So very star Warsy. <laughs> right. So a couple more years, I don't think we'll kill people, yeah. but I think people were finally getting so excited because, you know, Lucasfilm officially announced it after years of rumors and they were like, I mean, it's a video game, so this has to be locked in, right? This isn't like a movie or a show that, that is in development. This is like a, they're working on a game. That means it's going to happen. So um, I guess we're seeing more and more, just like with some of the movies, uh, video games aren't necessarily a guaranteed thing. But as you say, it is uh, put off, delayed. I still don't like the word indefinitely. Whenever I hear that, you know, it's like what we heard I about Rangers of the New Republic. I only recently found out what that word meant. I thought indefinitely meant more like the word permanently. Yeah. Yeah. But when you hear when you when that word is used in like movie studio talk, like the fact that it, it there's no cap on it, so it's like it's delayed without any sort of like return. It's just like delayed and who knows like when it's coming back. It's like the word hiatus. I feel like I feel like a lot of times that just means <laughs> this thing might not happen, but I hope that's not the case with this. But, well, yeah, like like uh, I said, it reminds me of the word hiatus. Like when a band goes on hiatus, they're like hiatus, they're not saying yeah. we broke up. We're saying we're broken up until we decide to get back together, which is no date oh, whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. it's like if you yeah, if you hear a married couple saying like you know oh they got separated, it's like that just means they haven't started the legal stuff yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah right, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean it's always um, but, possible, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens to that game. But James, we have a quite the plethora of topics in the resistance report today uh, to get to, bouncing around all different sorts of things. So I'm kind of excited to talk about this stuff. And then um, we have uh, Patreon Padres later, and we're bringing back Ask the Resistance. So mm -hmm. it's going to be a a full show. Uh, so we hope uh, you enjoy it. So James, why don't we fire things up with? Our first segment of the day. It's the resistance. Well, that first segment is, as you guessed, resistance report, as we do every Monday. Um, like John said, there's a lot to talk about this week, so let's get fired up with this first one. Considering we just saw um light and magic right that just released on oh. disney plus let's talk a little bit about Lawrence Kasdan since he's making the rounds uh as far as press goes um now you know you know what we're going to talk about right the resistance broadcast is absolutely going to bring up the comments that he had on solo and the future of solo right Lawrence Kasdan was talking about 
working with George in the early days of ILM and how important uh, Solo and all that is. And there was a lot of comments here flying around about how he's still interested in the possibility of uh, more Solo movies. Uh, kind of specifically, not so much on the Disney Plus side of things, which is interesting. I don't know if that's a little bit of... Um, like the John Boyega, you're not going to Disney plus me. Like I'm not going to be lower or like even uh, what was it uh, recently where we had, um, uh, I can't think of his name. Qui-Gon Jinn actor. Um, Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Yeah. He said he wouldn't do the TVs. He would do only the movies. Right. Yeah. I think that was a little bit of a, a game there. Uh, whereas I think Lord's Katzen is very serious here, but he, you know, he is kind of saying that he's uh, more interested in just kind of the, the movie side of doing solo stories. So I don't know, maybe that's where the hangup is, is they want to do Disney plus and he's hanging on to the movie aspect of it. I don't know. Let's have a conversation. What are you thinking, John? Man, you know, I was reading his quotes and stuff. And I, first of all, I like that everybody's asking him about solo in addition to obviously light and magic which is yes. unbelievable by the way uh if people haven't watched it yet it's all the episodes are on disney plus it might be my favorite documentary i'm not sure like it's incredible better but, than so the staircase a, a little bit <laughs> yeah kidding. a little bit i didn't kill my wife <laughs> my guy's nuts. i don't um, care <laughs> yeah, yeah right yeah um but yeah, I love that people are asking him about Solo 2 and um, also, or the number two, either way you want to put it. But I like the fact that he's saying he talks to his son and Ron Howard like regularly about this, like about Solo, things that went well, things that didn't go well. And when he says things that didn't go well, though, he's not talking about the movie, really. He's talking about like the marketing and, you know, all that stuff and, 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 and probably how it was treated. But I got to say, you know, and um, I, uh, our friend uh, Clayton Sandell is probably going to have more stuff coming out this week uh, with because he also uh, interviewed Lawrence Kasdan. So check out what he has going on. I look forward to seeing what uh, he puts out, too, because um, he knows how to ask the great questions yeah. more than anybody. So but in terms of what is going on with the inverse article here, um, him saying not being particularly interested in the show aspect. I think that's just, he's like old school. He's a filmmaker. Yeah. He, you know, he, he hasn't really done TV. Um, he likes cinema. He likes movies. He likes theaters. He likes that whole experience of writing a, uh, a movie script. So I get that. Um, now could John convince him otherwise? It's possible. John Kazan was involved with Willow, which they're, they've converted that from a movie which Ron Howard directed into a series for Disney Plus. So if they keep talking about it, and we saw John Kasdan talking to Ash Crossan at Celebration mm -hmm. about, yeah, they got to continue these characters, right? And talking about even John Favreau's name and stuff. The fact that it's still being talked about inside the circles within people who create Star Wars is a really positive sign for me. I know we're probably against the clock when it comes to, you know, age of actors and stuff like that. Uh, we can get into all that stuff later on, but to keep the focus on what this is, which is Lawrence Kasdan talking about the future of Solo, he he's just kind of saying like he would be interested in doing another movie. Um, and this is a guy who, you know, after Solo, I think he had said like, you know, I'm all done. You know, that, that's it. So the fact that he still loves Han Solo so much that he would return to continue that story, 
That's a big deal. Lawrence Kasdan is a big deal uh, as just a, f- a filmmaker, mm-hmm. but also he's very important to Star Wars. And I think his word carries a lot of weight with Lucasfilm as it should. I mean, the guy wrote its best movies, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, The Force Awakens, Solo, and now he does ILM, Light and Magic. Like, no, he's tier one, and then you could filter in, you know, people below that. Obviously, George Lucas is the maker, so he's yeah. up here. He's, he, he doesn't have, he has his own tier. But then you have Lawrence Kazan, in my opinion, is, is next up. So It always does kind of make me wonder what, like, the Lucasfilm, like, take someone at Lucasfilm, and I'm pointing specific fingers, like, what does Kathleen Kennedy think? Just, I'm saying, just the average yeah. consensus of, like when they look at their films, are the people that work there like always a hundred percent on all their films? Like, oh yeah, man, yeah. Last Jedi was absolutely just as well, good as it, when, Rise of Skywalker. When you or, showed, or did they recognize they're like, man, I did not hit that one very well. <laughs> you know, we may have well, kind of missed on that one. Do they think well, of Solo showed, as a lesser film, or do they think mm, of it as like? No. I don't think I. I wouldn't think they would either but you have to think that even people who work on movies step back and look at it and they go like all right wasn't our best work i've, I've seen directors be like yeah i missed on that one you know that's the thing with solo where we never hear that from anybody like usually it's an actor like i could easily see that's a, a situation where alden aaron writes like oh my god yeah that was that was something else but every time people talk to him he's like i would love to play the version of Han that he becomes at the end of that movie, a little more jaded, a little, you know, a little more hurt, maybe a little more ego now and, and being self-centered. He said, I want to play that version. That's what I we built to. So he was in. So it's like every, it, that's the whole thing about all this is like everyone who seemed to have been involved with the movie, Lord Miller aside, uh, True. and uh, you know, everyone on um, the crew side and anyone we've ever spoken to, obviously Jonas Sotomo who plays Chewie, uh, John Powell, the composer, uses makes a little trip. Yeah. Everyone who's been involved with Solo is like, yes, we would love to. You, Brian Herring's always talking you know about what's it. Funny? Like it's just like if I had to pick, if I had to pick one person that I feel like is maybe even borderline on the other side of that, that maybe has been a little bit like distant, it might be Donald Glover. But what's funny about him is that he's doing yeah. Lando. It's like well, of, hopefully. I know, but I'm yeah. saying like of announced things that you just have to put the faith in the fact that it's happening, that he's addressed it, that he's, uh, right. he went on that night, night time, the night show talk show and was like, yeah, oh, you know, Jimmy Kimmel, yeah. Hey, when I'm, you know, I'm working on things. So it seems what's funny is he's the one that I felt like is probably like the most distant from it. But yet at the same time, he's the one, the only one that seems to be actively working on something that is like the next logical progression of solo. Yeah. It's, kind yeah. of wild yeah. to think that everybody it else is. is more game than him you know i agree i agree about that um i also don't it almost seems like when you think about everyone who talks about solo and stuff like that it almost makes me feel like kathleen kennedy is the one who's least into it and that's that's the problem could be that's the biggest that's the biggest problem because it was probably such a headache for her and she had to sort of take the loss and take the l in a sense even though you know you can point blame in other directions um uh, you know bob Iger himself took the blame for for marketing mishaps yeah, and release say, window mishaps i mean it also might like have that, been so. Iger, and then after the whole thing happened they were like D- no just don't d- don't ever go back to it and they're like but we want to you know maybe or, there's or now the new ceo i was gonna yeah. say now that it's switched over maybe there's like a little bit of like we don't know the vibe yet of like if we want to re 
Like, how do you approach, even if Kathleen Kennedy was 100% for it, like, how do you approach that being like, hey, we kind of want to go back to this thing that failed, right? you know, failed. It didn't really fail, but you know what I mean? Right. Um, But it's cool hearing him say this stuff. I also like what he had to say about, of course, you know, uh, working with George and ILM and the fact that he was not given any limitations to what he was able to write. And that's just a brilliant angle from George Lucas's perspective. You know, don't think about the limitations, you know, because that will put a filter or a limit or a governor on what type of story you can tell. If you're like, well, I would love for them to go to this location with these mountains, but I can't because, you know, we can't, we have our travel budget is blank or whatever. Lucas was like, just write it. They'll figure it out. And that goes back to that quote from Spielberg in the documentary where he's like, I just leave everything to the geniuses at ILM. And that's got to be such a, like a nice, like if you're, if you're one of those like tightrope walkers in the circus, you know, you have that net below you. Like that's ILM there. Like we got you. We'll catch you. Don't worry about it. Just do your thing and we'll wow. catch you. So I liked everything about this interview. Uh, I'm, I hope I, you know, he's, he's, gets interviewed more and more stuff comes out as we said you know clayton sandell with newsy he's gonna have more stuff coming i believe um on this on that type of stuff but i'm excited to hear more from kazan and hopefully he stays in the conversation i uh the ilm light and magic documentary seems to be being received really well which is a great thing so uh, i think anytime lawrence kazan can get involved with lucasfilm get involved with star wars not only is it a great thing it's also a connection to uh the original um, set of films that they put out as well and and to me that's that's important in many ways if he's still willing to make uh great star wars content so let's hope he does even if it's not you know solo or any continuation of solo it'd be cool to see that john kazan is writing you know something for maybe he's the writer oh well no we actually already know the writer i was gonna say for the kevin feige thing but that that's yeah. um uh, michael waldron michael waldron yeah so but anyway, um, let's move on here to Andor because a couple things came out around this show, including a new photo of him uh, hanging out at a bar of some sort, maybe getting some information from the right people, if you know what I mean, something yes. along those lines. Yes. Um, yes. And Diego Luna doing the rounds here uh, noted that the show's going to be darker than you might expect. And he kind of teased this idea, which I, I'll get into more detail here as we begin to talk about it, but I kind of don't understand where he's coming from when he says, you won't believe that the guy in this show can do what he does in Rogue One. And I'm confused because I'm like, is he talking about killing people like on his team? Or is he talking about sacrificing himself? Like what is what is the thing that he does in Rogue One? Because even in that movie, he kind of goes through this bigger arc. Um, I would mm -hmm. almost think that you would need a show that shows he's like, like happy go lucky and or and he turns into a bad person because by the time you get you know when you watch this you'll be surprised he could kill people and be so ruthless in rogue one but right. he's been in this fight since he was six years old and so he's clearly already jaded and dark so i don't know i'm kind of confused by that statement um a little bit but you know i like hearing about rogue one and i'm very anxious for the series w what were your thoughts on um him saying uh, you know, you're going to be surprised that he he would be able to do what he does in Rogue One when you see him in Andor. It seems like the it seems like a very 
Han Solo type of arc that they're approaching with Cassian. It's the way he positions it is a wounded man. We find him in a place where he's not aware of how capably capable he is of transforming or being part of change or executing a sacrifice. Um, that to me sounds like somebody who doesn't fully grasp the idea of doing something for the greater good. Yeah. It sounds like maybe he is more of selfish doing it, doing a job, you know, this is my job. I'm a spy. I'm hired. I was brought in. This is all I know. Uh, I hate the empire, but I'm here to do my job and that's it. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get too into it. I'm going to stay on the fringe a bit, uh, to save my neck, but I don't want to get too involved. It feel it. Uh, like maybe that. I'm looking at it, at it through the Han Solo lens a little bit, but he needs that that moment in Rogue One, which will really fulfill his arc. And I think this show will serve a good purpose. We kind of talked about this a few episodes ago on one of our Thursday discussions about you know what Andor will do for Rogue One. I really think it is that thing where we're going to see this sort of, yes, like you said, selfish, out to save his own neck, has a job to do, going to do his job and you know punch his time card and go home sort of thing. Whereas in Rogue One, he finally understands the fact that this is bigger than him. And even if he has to perish, it's going to do something that will last forever uh, in terms of like helping to save the galaxy. So, 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 so you're saying like my the, 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 the thing that he is referring to is, is not so much like how far he'll go for his job of like killing people or whatever, but it's, it is more along the lines of that you would never expect that the guy you saw in Andor the TV series who's so selfish would ever go that far that he does Bingo. in Rogue One to do a selfless yep. act, uh, trust people, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do something for the greater good of the rebellion because it's the right Dude, thing to do kind of thing. Uh, wounded guy, wounded person. Uh, I've been in this fight since I was six years old. Uh, at San Diego Comic-Con, I believe they revealed that uh, Adria Arjona is playing his sibling. Uh, I, 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 I could see her not making it out of Andor. Sure. Early, early maybe. And you have this guy who's just like that, that wounded element. He, he is pissed off. He got, a, he got a raw deal in life. His family got killed. He, he had to grow up well before he was supposed to, when he's a, a little child, his childhood was taken from him. You know, that those types of things let, stay with people for a very long time and sometimes forever. So we have a guy who I think is, it, it, it's going to be a dark version of this character. And I think people are going to have a hard time adjusting to that. I'm not saying he was this cheery guy in Rogue I One know, necessarily, say, yeah. but he was more in to the cause. Whereas now I think we're going to have to see that journey for him to get to that point. Um, so I think, yes, when he says you're not going to believe that he's capable of what he does in Rogue One, because you're going to see a guy who's not ready to put his neck out for anybody. He's there to just get by, do his job and get out. And that's usually what a spy does. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the type of thing that we're getting here. It will be a little Han solo -y, but maybe like with some James Bond in there, like Jason Bourne type stuff. Um, so I think that's what we're going to get here now. Where we get the emotional payoff, maybe flashbacks, that sort of stuff. I still think we're going to get that six-year-old stuff, whether it starts the show or not. Um, so what do you think, though? Do you, do you think that's 
too rigid. Like this is no, no, still no. Star Wars, no, I right? Think, so I think so. you're dead on. I think I think what they're doing there is pulling the 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 thing that people liked about Rogue One, saying like it's the the only real war movie. Like it feels like uh, the other stuff is like these little social interactions, like mom and dad, and you know <laughs> their child, their children, and how they're yeah. functioning with each other and how they're all related and how they uh, have relationships with each other and stuff that has always felt kind of star Wars. And then like the, the bigger rebellion stuff is on, on the side. Whereas like yeah. when you got rogue one, you got, guess what? Bays not related to cheer it, cheer it, not related to Jin, Jin not related to Cassian. You know what I mean? Like none of them, they were just all components defecting. Exactly. Yeah. They were all just components of the the war um and it was very in effect that like there was a war happening and the they were their lives were affected by it and they had to make a change so the war aspect of it i think is what they're leading with here now granted they are going to bring in those elements apparently with like the sister and uh the family and and what maybe to some degree like what he's kind of fighting for right he may be fighting mm -hmm. for himself but himself is like some sense of family or our planetary pride, a city pride, something along those lines. So I, th I think they're going to do that, but I am, I'm not surprised at all when you're talking about, uh, you know, the Americans and the other shows, Tony Gilroy, other stuff that he's done. Like this show is going to be very dark, very spy heavy. Um, so none of that surprises me. The one thing I will say, and this is something that I should have put together a very, very long time ago and just before this episode as i was thinking about it i did a little bit of math and i it doesn't really add up and i'm a little bit surprised so bear with me here i'm 30 years old sitting watching rogue one as it came out right i'm looking at cassian andor like he's older than me First and first and foremost, because he was he was 36 when he made the movie. Right. But I'm the, the like, actor. I'm like, yeah. that guy's older than me. And I've always kind of thought that now he says in the movie, I've been in this fight since I was six years old. And in my head, I always put that together to mean when Revenge of the Sith happened and the Empire came into existence, he was six. But I never did the math on it. And that puts him at 26 in Andor. Looked it up. He's 26 in Andor. You're telling me that guy's younger than me? It's a little wild. He's younger than Han Solo in that movie, which also means that Andor, the series, takes place five years before that. He's a 42-year-old man playing a 21-year-old in Andor. What? <laughs> that is crazy. That's a little crazy. I was like sitting there thinking... Wait a minute, the math doesn't really add up here, but I, I'm okay with uh, I it mean, to some degree. But, like, I think in my head, I'm always going to see Cassian as 36, the age that he actually was in Rogue One, and not 26, which would put yeah. him at about 31. And I can believe that a 42 year old man could play a 31 year old character if you need, you need to push it. So. That begs the question, though. But he's playing twenty-one. Literally, somebody is half his age. Is is Lucasfilm <laughs> caring less about this aspect of it because they had a forty-one-year-old Hayden Christensen, albeit in a short flashback, but an important one in that Obi-Wan Kenobi chapter, playing a twenty-year-old Anakin Skywalker? 
And they didn't really de-age him much, if at all. Wait, was he 20? Well, during Attack of the Clones time, I just stamp him there. That's when oh. I feel around when that flashback happens, you know? So, you know, it's uh, that's a stretch, too. And I saw it. I felt it. Uh, again, we talked about it with Liam Neeson. They're just like, just put the wig on him. Get him out there. Let's shoot a couple shots, and that'll be it. I mean, it's weird uh, considering everybody is like jumping, jumping through hoops to praise, you know, the Mark Hamill stuff, and being like, "Yeah, that's awesome." But is is I a know. little bit of that yeah. with a with a um? Now a that would be a, funny. A revenge. They just tinge. get Mark Hamill <laughs> yeah. at age sixty eight, and they're like, "Go out there, go, just go do it. Go out there and play with your 20. current voice." I mean, it would be like kind of the same age a little bit uh the gap there mm-hmm. um no but uh everybody's i think there was a little bit of like revenge thing like uh like oh last jedi messed up yes mandalorian got my luke back kind of thing i think there was a little bit of that there was that so people there are praising that. that the fact that like it looks like luke he acts like luke that's luke to me kind of thing um but i think and hamill was involved else, so that's yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's yeah. a big part of that yeah so when you're looking at like the hayden christensen and in this case too we're getting ready to watch this series um where you know you, you're thinking this 42 year old man is supposed to be playing a 21 year old character <laughs> you know I mean, Diego okay, Lewis, okay. He's, a, he's, he's not a, he's a young looking guy he's, he's, not a, he's a, a young looking, looking guy. person i'm just no. saying you know no yeah right um yeah we'll see how it plays out and it's interesting because they have to cover that five-year span. It's not like they're jumping forward much. The first season is is taking place that one year. So that for that whole first season, aside from any flashbacks, he's going to be a 21-year-old. Yeah. And then That's from then, he'll... I haven't seen anybody bring that up. He'll uh, be, so I don't know if the... Yeah. He'll be 43 when he's playing a 22, 23, 24, and 25-year-old character. See, all those people who were like, I can't believe that Sean Connery was playing Harrison Ford's dad in Last Crusade, and they were only twelve years apart. It's like, well, now we now we're going over two decades with Diego Luna, so they keep raising the bar. Uh, that's interesting. I never thought about that. I, I don't didn't think piece it ever together up, until so. I was thinking about the the line. I was in this fight since I was six years old, and I was like, hmm. I always took that to be about nineteen years before that, but that would only put him at like twenty five, twenty six years old in Rogue One. I looked, I'm like. Oh my god! <laughs> and this is no, this, there's no speculation here because if that birth date is right with the 26 BBY, then it it's a fact. He's yeah. 21 years old. That's it. Yeah, crazy. Well, buys his first beer and and becomes a spy for the rebellion. Yeah, the, the, not to bring it back to the image we got, but that's literally his first time in a bar. Oh yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what that whole scene is. He just like. She, he's like, I really hope she checks my ID. I can't believe the time has finally come. I even grew up my beard for this. I don't even need my beard anymore. And that's why we probably see him in the next photo or the next uh, shot we saw in the, one of the TV spots where he has no beard. He's like, I don't need my beard anymore. I, I'm, I'm 21 now. Now I can buy all my Spotchka I want. It's like if, if, this, if the show took place six years before Rogue One, he would have been like, oh, the contact went into that bar. I can't follow him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't get right. in. Not old and, enough. You know, I ch- I looked at that character closely, the bartender. She looks very like reptilian, of course, but humanoid. Sure. We've seen that species before, I, right? I thought for a second it was Margot from uh the first light on uh Dryden Voss's ship. Mm-hmm. You know, his like 
concierge or whatever you want to call it, his hostess. Um, but it's not. It's a different looking type of character, but similar in, in vain. It almost looks like that old show Alien Nation a little bit, like that sort mm-hmm. of scaly looking, long, elongated head. But that's cool. You know, I'm sure it'll be, a, you know, I'm looking for someone, you know, and she's like, she goes in the back and like gets somebody who knows information. Yeah, that's probably that's a shootout. And, yeah, Is that yeah. he, he's pulling the Obi-Wan like um, when you're looking for a rat. Or whatever you got to go through yeah. the sewers or whatever he he looks like he's spring the trap to get information yeah. yeah um yeah. all right well we got other stories to talk about getting away from andor uh we are still coming up on mandalorian season three and pedro pascal and katie sackoff have had some words recently uh about their upcoming show specifically um pedro pascal talking about stepping into the leadership role as he says here quote he's reluctant to do so I don't think that there's anything more interesting than a character being forced into discovering what they're capable of and who they are. Um, that's really interesting. And then on the Katie Sackoff side, uh, being questioned about, uh, I guess, like her character's involvement, number one in the show, like, where do you come back after a failure like that? And she's saying, uh, and this is her quote, anytime you have a goal and you don't succeed, I think you reevaluate uh, so it's kind of interesting. Uh, we can get a little bit of conversation. And that going can go here, a couple ways um, about what that reevaluation means, what her goals are, what her intentions are. So let's get started on this one, John. Any thoughts on uh, which one of these quotes intrigues you the more? Pedro Pascal stepping up or uh, Katie Sackhoff's uh, reevaluation of her character's goals? I, but the Bo Katan thing, man, yeah. because I feel like the we know sort of the painted path of the Mandalorian. Um, he's the, the titular character. Um, I usually giggle when I say that word, and I didn't. I'm proud of myself. Why? Um, Just kidding. But I think her saying the word reevaluate, because that can go like two different ways. One, it could be like, I have to rethink what I'm doing. Like, I shouldn't be doing this. Or I need to come up with a plan B, because plan A didn't work, and now I got to go harder. Oh, so, good point. Yeah. And I think that's the one. I think that's, it's so funny because I know you didn't watch Game of Thrones. I know Lacey didn't watch Game of Thrones. What is that? Is that the one with the zombies? Well, I don't want to spoil anything, right? So, um, no, but uh, that show is still on. I think Walking Dead is still on. I saw a trailer for the the final season or whatever. It's like, it's all came down to this. I I was like, first of all, I thought it came down to this like six years ago. But secondly, I don't, I recognize one character from Everybody they showed, which was like 20 people. I recognize one person. And of all the people, he was one of the people that when the show started, everybody was like, he's not even in the comics. Like, who is this guy? Oh, my God. Really? They just added him for the show for fun. And his character was so popular. They've never killed. He survived longer than literally like everybody in the comic. Daryl. Is it the Boondock Saints guy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 He was never in the comics. He was just so they they've added... outwritten the comics. Then they've they're, they're probably oh, well beyond or something. Well, no, I don't. I don't know that. I'm saying he was in the he was in that show from day one, and I hmm. read the comics through 120 issues, and he just was not he was not part of the story ever. But they had him in the show for day since day one. So he went so, through all those same events, but was you know it was just not so for, for our audience who knows game of thrones i know most people have watched that show especially like n- people like nerd type stuff 
I really see a parallel here based on what both of these are actors are saying about their characters between uh, Daenerys Targaryen and Jon Snow. And what I mean by that is she was she became like this mad queen obsessed with the throne. And that's all it like changed everything about her. Her obsession with it just completely altered her focus and who she became and who she was as a person. And then you have Jon Snow, who was the reluctant heir to the throne. And he was kept saying, I don't want it. Like, I don't want to do this. That's mm. like Mandalorian saying, like, I, you know, I was I a bounty that. hunter. I love this kid that, you know, I, I don't want this thing. He, he tr didn't he try to give it to Paz Vizsla too? He's like, here. He's like, no, I, I can't. I can't take that. Or he tried to give it to Bo-Katan or something like that. I, was gonna, I think it was Bo-Katan. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't want, he said something like, I don't want it. She can have it. And then that's when uh, it was like, no, she has to win it from you in a fight. I mean, she has right. to take it from you. And she was doing that, like, that look down thing. Yeah, the Looking look down. down at him like, oh, I know what that means. Yep. So I it, it reminds me very much of those two characters and sort of on a collision course, um, even though, you know, they may still like each other or have liked each other at some point. Um, so it really reminds me of that a lot. And I want to know from our listeners who do like Game of Thrones, if they feel that at all and hear me talk about it or anything that they've read about, uh, even just from this article, what uh, Katie Sackhoff or Pedro Pascal had to say about it. But it really feels that way. And it, that, that's an epic type of uh, dramatic storytelling. Mm -hmm. And everything we saw from the clips, trailer, whatever you want to say, from Celebration, the show just feels bigger and grander this time around. By design, you know, they 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 establish all of our characters very strongly. You know, I, again, I left the season finale of Mandalorian season two. Saying that kid should be with the Mandalorian, not Luke Skywalker. I mean, that's more proof than you need to understand that you care about this guy when you're saying, no, don't take Luke Skywalker. Don't take this kid away greatest hero in star wars give him give him back to his dad so i think that they now that they've established the characters it's time to really put the foot on the gas and i think Favreau's going to take us somewhere that we're not expecting for season three in terms of how big this show can be because one of the criticisms about the mandalorian was that it did feel a little too small in terms of like tv and some of the sets and some of the scenes and think, shots and stuff i think and, it's that tattooing thing like it could be the tattooing thing. And yeah. the, or the fact yeah. that like they would go to a planet and then like the next season they'd go back to that planet and it's like there's an yeah. entire galaxy, man. What are you yeah. just hanging out in this yeah. one sector for or whatever? Yeah, yeah. But it, it just feels like something big's happening. And I like the collision course that they're setting up here and the fact that you have the the ironic sense where you have the reluctant hero who has the dark saber and the person who wants it more than anything who doesn't have it mm -hmm. and something's going to happen there. Something has to give. And I'm curious how that's going to go down, well, but it sounds like to me, like we may be seeing a heel turn with Bo-Katan. I don't know what you think about that. So I think you are right, but I, I think, okay. So if I was examining the situation for what it was just based on this alone, I would think that Bo-Katan would be saying when you fail, you need to reevaluate being like, she needs to give up on the dark saber thing. That's based on what I know about her character from the past being that at one point in rebels, she already had the dark saber and right. lost it. So she tried yeah. to get it again. And it was, it, 
it was hers for the taking had she defeated Moth Gideon, but instead somebody else came and took it. And at that point, you might go, okay, that's a little bit of a sign. I should probably just not be who I always thought I was destined to be and reevaluate myself. But the reason I think you're right is because A, most people don't know about the first thing. So people think that she's just going to go out and take a second shot at getting that that yeah. saber. But the other thing that really convinces me of it is the like the stinger line on the trailer which is her telling Grogu Wait a minute, hold on. You think your dad's the only Mandalorian? Which means she's going to be the thing that puts a rift between Grogu and Din Djarin. Yeah, that's interesting. So yeah. if that's the case and she's delivering that information, then she's like not on her on their side. Even if she's like kind right. of, you know, playing like, you know, she's helping or whatever, I think there's still going to be a motive there to deliver that information um and, and put a rift between the two of them to see if she can maybe mentally break him down a little bit. I wish and make there was it easier way... to defeat. Yeah, yeah. And we you know, there's there's a question coming up later in Ask the Resistance that will touch on something that could make this an even crazier story, but I don't want to reveal it now mm -hmm. and, and blow up the, the the listener who submit the question spot. So we'll get to that later and, and round this out um because we know we love bookends around here but i always like i was just thinking about this like i wonder if they could have done this with the story or not but you know the whole mall thing and how they really like rounded him out and brought him back in a big way could have been kind of cool if like he didn't get killed somehow like went into hiding survived he had the dark saber and then bo katan gets revenge on him for killing her sister and kills him and th gets the dark saber but the Kenobi angle with him worked out really well too. So I don't know. Yeah. Also, I mean, I don't think they will, but there's a little bit of those odd things in rebels where it's like, it just seems like whoever had the dark saber was the person like Ezra sort of obtained the dark saber and then sort of gave it to Sabine. And she's like, Oh, okay. I'll use it. You know, she didn't say like, I didn't earn that and give it back. She was just kind of like, Now, okay. does that creed uh, only go by certain factions of Mandalore? Or some are like, we don't believe in that. Well, again, like the bigger one would be then later we see Sabine gives it to Bo-Katan. So even if that, even if it was like a, a, a only Death well, Watch yeah. thing, like still Bo-Katan is involved in that. So she did accept the, the lightsaber from Sabine. Right. But then Mando tried to give it to her and she's like, no. But I that's can't. what I'm that's what I'm saying. It's like I feel like there's a little bit of like, I don't think they'll ever address it. They'll probably just be like, Yeah, well, we, you know, we we kind of have a, a better story where you like have to win it back and we're changing that now. Um but so it kind of looks weird, I think, in the past. I don't think they're gonna come up with a necessarily like a, a story angle that explains why she took it. I think that's a little bit of like yeah, we'll just ignore that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So, some of the stuff fair. in Rebels, I think, was just like whoever had it meant that they were the leader and they did and they took that literally. Like it didn't matter if somebody stole it. It does you know, like right. I, don't, I don't care how right. you got it, right. you have it. You are the one. Yeah. And if you got it yeah. stolen from you, that might as well have been your bad because you should have not left it or lost it or whatever, you know? 
it's going to be it's going to be wild it's going to be pretty tense who if you had to if you had to guess right now who do you think ends the show with the dark saber if anyone no i'm just he gets it back i can't (laughs) um i oh i don't know man um I think, I think I me, think season me, three. Me and Lacey is, said we thought we it would be destroyed, right? I think I, we had said it'd be destroyed. Oh, like the yeah, ring. we kicked that around for a while, and I think we we landed that that was a pretty good one. But I would say if I had to say somebody with it, I think that the Mandalorian is due for a solid like win. Um, so I think like we could see season three ending sort of like Book of Boba Fett, where it's like they they all led up to something, and the Mandalorian steps up, owns it and agrees to be like king of the town or something i don't know whatever it is like he accepts his role takes his leadership owns it um whereas every other season it feels like we've sort of left off with a little bit of a like um iffy card you know like i don't really Mm -hmm. know how that end i mean season two could have been the end of the show we've agreed to that but it's not necessarily like the most triumphant victory for that character no. It was sort of a, like just the ends 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 of his story or something. Yeah, it, it and actually it, and it isn't, but you know what I'm saying. It could yeah, it, it's actually like sad because yeah. he becomes like this like humanized version of himself, like away from everything he had stood for, which is you know be a bounty hunter, be a bounty hunter, be a loner, do your job, and that's it. And then he like falls in love with this kid, and he can't, um, like go without him he had to go like he did everything he could to protect him and then he gives him up and then that's the end of the show he'd be like oh my god that's horrible yeah i, I don't that's... i don't know man I'm, I'm a little bit i i agree with your assessment of the word sad there but i think there was sad i'm sad thinking about it i think there's something it, it's almost like uplifting is like almost a better word like it's sad in the sense that like it's it's an unfortunate event that life is like that sometimes. Like when you have to let go of your kid and they go on to college or something, that's sad. Or like Andy, Andy gave up his toys kind of thing. You know what I mean? That's sad. But it's like at the same time, it's a it's a heartwarming, good story that that's just life. That's how life is sometimes. And you let things go and it's OK, you know? Like I was okay with that ending because it was a good story about life and it wasn't necessarily like sad to me. Like that ending sucked. Like I was like, wow, what a show. What a, what a, what a story, you know, what a journey. Bennett going to, Bennett going to kindergarten this year. <laughs> uh, no, he's going next year. Oh, okay. But still, all right. <laughs> I was thinking about all that stuff. Cause you know, Johnny's getting starting preschool. Yeah. Oh man. But you know what I mean. Life. I mean, I, I, I know sad could be associated with that situation, but I don't, I don't personally think of it as sad. I think there's other words to describe it that fall into the category of sad, but not like. Well, sad is like bad to me. Like it's like a negative thing, and I'm like, I don't feel negative about the ending of the show had it happened there, how that season ended. I feel like it was good and wholesome. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, either way, it doesn't matter because we've got season three coming. <laughs> Still coming. I, yeah. They, I think they'll do maybe one more. Who knows? And then, you know, they, they keep talking about that whole culmination event. So 
we'll see if that turns into like a massive epic battle for Mandalore or something bigger or what. Sure. But it's exciting and it's only five, six months away, man. So That's like crazy. we'll be at Celebration London <laughs> and that show will be done. Yeah. Or you know what they may do? I'm trying to think of like, did they put a date out? Was it just, I don't know if they put a date, but I know it's February. They could do it where they do like what they did with Kenobi, but not do the first episode. They do like the finale, like screening. They could probably do something like that. Oh, season three finale. Oh, you, know I mean? you mean we'll be? Yeah, wait. I thought you meant we'll like, be in the London. The show will be in the can or something. No, it'll, it'll be like no, it'll, it'll be... have been aired. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and and you you have to assume if they are doing a season four. That will start filming probably this fall, unless they like skip another year. I hope they don't do that again. Um, but we'll see. I haven't heard anything about that though. So. <laughs> the book of Cobb Vanth. <laughs> yeah, that guy's still still getting all healed up. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that show ended with the teaser that Cobb Vanth is it's the next over. story. Yeah, in a way. Um, which, or that he's which I think involved. would be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I do too. Um, all right, we got another story here, and this one's kind of loose uh, as far as like what we can speculate on, but we did want to mention, we thought it was kind of cool that uh, with the big Marvel stuff happening at Comic-Con and like the um, the multiverse saga and all these like kind of trademarks with their, their trademarking the names of all their movies and stuff, um, people started looking into what maybe Lucasfilm or what Star Wars had been trademarking, and as it turns out, uh, and this is public information, so you can just look it up. It's definitely real. Um, it's not something that's like leaked or speculated on or something like that. Fan um, art. Yeah, exactly. Lucasfilm did, in fact, trademark uh, three things uh, that are the Great Circle, the Galactic Circle, and the Circle of Resistance. Um, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that it is Star Wars, but you can pretty much put together that a couple of those terms really feel like Star Wars terms. It doesn't look like... <laughs> Lucasfilm, it doesn't really apply to some of their other properties, and they tend to be working in their own properties. They've had a couple other like standout other things, but this doesn't feel like a Willow, doesn't feel like an Indiana Jones, doesn't feel like um, anything else that Lucasfilm is doing. So the Great Circle, the Galactic Circle, and the Circle of Resistance, I mean, what do you, what do you think? What could that possibly be or mean? <sighs> I mean, keeps our podcast relevant, so that's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, we're gonna change. We do have a logo that involves a circle. A I mean, circle. I'm not gonna say they ripped it off Lucasfilm. Come on. Thank you, Chris and Andy. Mine is shining bright, and James's yeah. as, as well. Um, I don't know if mine's in frame right now or Mine, not. But, yeah, mine's always there. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny because the way it was listed out, you know, you could see like. All right, so let's see these. Show me these Lucasfilm trademarks. All right, what's the first one? The Great Circle. Well, that could be anything. That could be an Indiana Jones thing. I don't know. All right, well, what's the next one? The Galactic Circle. Well, okay. Okay, so that definitely could be Star Wars. It could be something else, though. Galactic, you know, it's a, more, it's a general term more than anything. Uh, what's the third one? Circle of Resistance. Oh, okay, it's Star Wars. Got it. Yep. 
I mean, uh, that's I, how that's how I see it. You when, know, when it's Lucasfilm, you're right. I like had you shown these to me and told me these were Black Panther, I'd be like, okay, I could believe it. Like, there's some sort of or like, just Disney got the trademark something. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. You're like, okay, I get it. Like Resistance and like maybe there's like yeah. the, the multiverse. We're talking multiverse. Surely, you know, there could be like a galactic circle or something. But it does seem a little strange, and I'm not really sure what these are unless there's some crazy chance that these are is there any chance these are the names of the future movies that are like kevin feige's or ryan johnson's stuff that's like we have we have this idea for um like high republic or older era stuff that's like you know, like they called it the High Republic. You could see a, an era being called the Galactic Circle or something at some yeah. point. Yeah, I don't know about unless they're way down the road from a creative standpoint. I don't know that they would trademark like titles of movies that are not even like in production yet. Well, I'm saying, well, you're right, but I'm also saying like. They're sort of in production. They've sort of been. I saw in someone production. say like, "Oh, this is Ryan's trilogy." I'm like, "Could you freaking imagine? Could you imagine?" Man, that'd be interesting. But I, yeah, I, if I was gonna, because they don't, do they trademark? They, I guess they do trademark video game stuff. So could they be making a video game trilogy? Um, it could be an animated, the new animated stuff. But I'd like to think it's like bigger. Um, I but I can't really put my finger on it. I don't know because Resistance feels like that sequel trilogy era. I don't know that they're going to be doing movies right back in that era. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with like Star Wars Resistance. I think that's done. I think that was a pre-planned two-season thing. Um, Galactic Circle, the, Great the, Circle. It. I don't know, man. The Great I, I really, Circle I, seems I High know. Republic to me. That that it term does. It does feel that feels way. Yeah, High Republic to me. It feels like, like the Great Disaster. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and maybe that is because of that. But I feel like at some point they're they're saying, you know, um, we want to create an organization or a group of people or a collective, um, a, a a society or something, you know, of these people, and we're calling them the Great Circle, and it's like. Um, like the United Nations of sorts. It's like this thing where like th- uh, these people can come together. I don't know if like the great circle starts off small and then like by the end of it, they're like, this is awesome. We're going to turn it into the galactic circle because it's even bigger than that. But but even if that was the case, I'm trying to picture a scenario where you also have something called the circle of resistance. That's weird, right? Mm-hmm. The, what I mean, what is that? Is that like... Okay, you have the New Republic, but you also had Leia's Resistance. They called themselves the Resistance, right? And yeah. it's like that. W- it really was like the New Republic's army, even though the New Republic was not allowed to have an army. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there were no weapons. There were no uh, like mass uh, ships and things like that. It's hard to speculate on this because yeah, it, it really is just a bunch of terms. The only thing that, like, in terms of, like, what it is or content-wise, um, like, story-wise, I really don't know. But I'm even having a hard time guessing, like, is it movies? Is it video games? Is it books? Like, I, I just don't know. Um, so, But it's interesting that it seems to be three things that are paired with each other. And 
when Star Wars fans see three things, they think trilogy, and sometimes your brain wants to go oh. right to movies. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But it's it, it's intriguing, it's interesting, and I, I hope we maybe learn more about it soon, but uh, who knows? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, the other thing, too, is like, do you th- is there any chance that, well, I don't know, I don't want to even say that. Like, they just trademark things because they haven't decided on a name yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, but I, I I don't think that's the case, and I don't think that's common practice to be like Apple today. Uh, you know, announced trademarking iSlate, iPad, iTablet, and i thing. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I, they almost always just sort out the name, trademark the name, or trademark associated products, and then yeah. that's like when it when the leak happens. So I imagine that yeah. all three of these names are going to get used. Um, John, I'm going to toss it over to you as we end up the resistance report to take us into the, what's it called? Patreon. Patreon. Check my notes here. Patreon. Something Patreon. It is called Patreon Podrace. Padres. Padres. It's Italian. Right. Podrace. Fragile. <laughs> All right. It's Patreon pod race time. And if you're new to the show, that means one of our patrons, whether it's our generals or spice runners, get to be a part of the show. Um, So if you'd like to support the show, obviously there are plenty of ways to do it. Subscribe to one of our audio uh, platforms. We have, uh, you know, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Apple podcast i just said amazon music soundcloud pick your poison it's free if it has a rating system give us five stars but make sure you subscribe or follow because we have two episodes every week and you want to get a part of that without missing anything and of course spread the word with your friends uh, but also youtube uh we're on video if you're watching hello mm-hmm. youtube.com slash star wars news net videos we just passed eight thousand subscribers small potatoes but thank you very much to everyone who has subscribed uh we appreciate that very much too But if you'd like more content and also just support what we do here, I was looking at a video of ours from like two or three years ago. It just looked horrible. You know, like we've been able to really improve what we're doing. And a lot of that's thanks to our patrons. So uh, head to the website, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash resistance broadcast. Tiers to support us start at just $2 a month and you get access immediately to all of our bonus content. And, you know, we have some ideas uh, cooking right now for our next phase for our Patreon. We'll reveal more details on that later. Uh, but we do um, poll chats, uh, live commentaries, which we have coming up soon, uh, which actually you probably saw already. Uh, plenty of them. And uh, we have a backlog of all of those bonus videos, a lot of great things over on Patreon. Um, but your support means a great deal. Now, if you are a general or spice runner, like I said, you could be part of the show. And before we do that, I want to thank those folks. So, James, our generals are Carmelo, John Reese, Jetta Rosewater, Paul Olson, Frank Grande, Darth Hurricane, John Charlton, Nick Kratz, Christian Morales, Brian Smith, Matt Chitty, Danny, Mike Ramori, Matt Heath, Chris White, Brendan McLaughlin, Count Pepto, Samuel Zielk, and Val Trichkoff. And our Spice Runners, David Probus, Neil Shaw, Kendall Gellner, Ryan Wara, Dave Hornack, Micah Harrison, Thomas Hennessy, Andrew Staley and Jeremy Myers. Thank you all for your support and all of our patrons. It means a great deal. Again, patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. If you'd like to support us, it means a great deal to the three of us. 
All right. So this week, James, we have a spice runner. It is Kendall Gelmer, mm. who we got to hang out with at Celebration. Big time. Who has probably the cool, the coolest pair of Star Wars jeans we might have ever seen, which we saw. He showed us at. I thought you Galaxy's were going to go with the coolest High Republic. Uh, he has that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Kendall has all the good stuff yeah. uh, and also some good answers. So uh, this week we asked him on a scale of one to 10, where is your appetite for Star Wars theatrical movies? Are the Disney Plus series making you miss them less or more? So Kendall, what do you have for us? Hello all. So I would put my rating at a pretty solid 10 as far as desire for movies or even a movie goes. And the way that Disney Plus impacts that for me is that I've, I've greatly enjoyed the Disney Plus stuff we've had so far. I really enjoy both the live action, the animated stuff they produce, all of it has been pretty amazing, I think, and pretty cool. But all of that really rests on top of the movies we've already had. And as time goes by, that's just a lot of stuff to put on top of the movies that exist. And you really need to add to that base at some point to just really improve the series content actually and make it kind of more meaningful or deeper. And so it's kind of like getting a lot of snacks, but no real meal over time. And so the Disney Plus content for me, as time goes by, it's just made me hungrier and hungrier for movies actually, um, as opposed to like quenching any desire I might have for movies. There he is. There he is, Kendall. Great job. I really like the answer because you, you always have a really good way of putting a positive spin on everything. And uh, it's earnest too, which is, is key. So James, what, what did you think of what uh, Kendall had to say about his thoughts from one to 10 on his appetite for theatrical films? Well, Kendall, you know, had a good question here. And I think even an even better answer so much. In fact, that I believe it's, we're going to be talking about this more soon. Um, so I don't want to go into full detail about my thoughts, but I can say that uh, just as you pointed out, that Kendall, you know, kind of turns everything positive, kind of makes it like a good thing. I see what he's saying here. Absolutely. That, you know, um, even though we're in the age of television right now, it has always seemed like Star Wars has fed off of the movies, which are sort of the... Uh, pillars of the franchise you know there's yeah. one two there's four five six one two three now seven eight nine and it doesn't matter what it what it is whether it's an animation project a book a short story uh anything it always seems to um spin off of those pillars uh so i i i think that uh i don't know like I don't want to give away my thoughts. That's the thing. I'm kind of, I'm kind of playing here a little bit because uh, I know we're going to be talking yeah. about this soon. But thing is, is like I think Kendall, you are uh, very smart at, at you know sorting this out, figuring this out, and I, I think that you, uh, you you might even be right on this one. Yeah, um, I'm sort of with you guys both on that. I I like the ten that you toss out there, Kendall. I think I'm sensing, you know, just you know being online and, and, and getting the pulse of fans and stuff like that and talking to, you know, friends and family members who like Star Wars. They love the movie. They like going to a Star Wars movie. It is an experience. It feels like a, a, a big deal. And I know there's the argument, well, that's because it's always better when it's spaced out. And I understand that too, but we are in a different world today. And I think it's not the same as even the prequel time 
of, you know, oh, we came back and we're spacing them out three years. Like, yeah, that's fine. Or, you know, that we went 18 years without Star Wars movies and no one complained. Yeah, okay, that's that's fine too. Um, but it's a different world. And I think if they put out a Star Wars movie a year, you know, I don't think it'd be that, uh, you know, boring of a thing. Um, so we'll see where they end up with where they started and with their aggressive plans to, to where they are now. But I miss movies too. And like James said, I think we're going to talk a bit more on this on Thursday. So I'll stop there. But Kendall, great job as always. Mm-hmm. I always like sort of the the treasure Easter egg hunt as I look in your background for all these different things. And I like seeing the Mondo solo LP back there uh, among other cool items that you have. So it's always a treat to see what you have on display. I'm not sure. Do you rotate things around or not? I forget. But either way, everything looks great. Uh, good to see you. Good to hear from you. And we'll see you in the chats as always. And of course, our, our monthly calls. But uh, great job. And uh, that puts a bow on this week's Patreon pod race. Mm-hmm. Lacey, let me know how I did. Uh, but we're going to move on to our next segment. And that is called Ask the Resistance. I've been wondering, what are midichlorians? All right, it's Ask the Resistance time. It is back, and I teased earlier that we had a question that was going to sort of round out that discussion or speculation about The Mandalorian Season 3 and may add to some drama in the story if it indeed happens. So, James, here's the question from Blue at Blue Milk Diner. Uh, Maybe a little competition there for... uh, for Dex. For our friend Dexter Jetster. Uh, <laughs> but James, what do you think of this one? So here we go. Do you think Sabine will be reintroduced in Mando season three before we see her in Ahsoka? So uh, that's um, Natasha Bordizo, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, did I say her name? Lu- Natasha Lou Bordizo. Natasha Lou right. Bordizo. So will she actually make her debut in Mando season three? Very interesting. What do you think? Man, my gut says no, <laughs> but my brain is putting that together as, well, we have another season of Mandalorian, and based on what we've gotten so far, it seems like Ahsoka is making the cut on Mando and Book of Boba Fett, you know? So she's involved in these projects to a pretty high degree. So how is she going to be involved in season three of The Mandalorian? And if she's involved, you have to think that they're directly, this is their opportunity to directly set up for why she's leaving, why she's going to be gone. Um, I mean, maybe not, but it kind of makes sense. Um, I'm I'm going, I'm going to say, yeah. I I mean, I don't know. Again, like my gut says, no, she's she's been hired to be in Ahsoka. You know what I mean? And Ahsoka can still be over here and all the people from that show can be over in yeah. their show, you know, and she's enough to connect the two. But, you know, th- hey, this is fun. This is Mandalorian saying, and who's the girl, you know, or something, you know, and it could kind of go fun. I'm going to say, yeah. I'm with you, man. Uh, I think she will. Now, my end comes from when... It was the, the scoop was reported by Deadline, which was November of last year, which has me thinking they sniped it out of filming for The Mandalorian season three. Ooh, yeah. So that's where I'm leaning towards. And it would also obviously like, you know, like we're saying and we were alluding to before about, you know, the chase for the Darksaber and how 
you know, there already is that history between Bo-Katan and Sabine in regards to the Darksaber. It could really add another uh, wrench in terms of the struggle for that or, or just the, the drama over that and, and everything that comes with it. And also warm, warm us up to that actress playing Sabine and then sort of like they did with, um, God, I'm blanking today. Rosaria Dawson as Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. So, you know, let's let's test the waters here, then Valter into that. Could be a similar situation where they're using Mando as a springboard. So I love I love the question. Blue, if that's your real name. Loved you in the movie <laughs> Old School. You were great. <laughs> I loved you. I loved you in the movie Jurassic World. Yeah. And, and you were fantastic <laughs> looking for those clues on Nickelodeon. So thank you very much for that. Um but no, uh, do you, all jokes. Do aside, you know do question. you know that blue is a girl? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Yeah. I think something just about like the fact that it was like blue and magenta, you would think oh, right. it's boy and a girl right. or whatever, but it's kind of interesting. Blue, blue is a girl. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Next question. Our buddy, John Reese. What's up, John at John S. Reese. Um, he asked, have you enjoyed how flashbacks have been used since the sequel trilogy opened that door? Do you want more? Um, at this point, yes, uh, I've been liking the flashbacks. Um, I, I loved what they did weaving in the patterns between Obi-Wan and Anakin and how it paralleled their duel in present time, so to speak, in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, that de-aging aside or whatever, but I, I think it does a lot of great things for Star Wars. It allows us to revisit characters that may have died. I think that is a, a cool thing they can do. But also it really makes it harder to speculate on these shows and these movies mm-hmm. and who's going to appear. And it makes will of the force a lot difficult for us on this show when it comes to that stuff. So I like it, James. I don't know. How about you? Um, I'm okay with it too, but to be honest with you, I didn't really realize that star Wars didn't do this, uh, until it was brought up with the whole, like Ryan Johnson and, and JJ Abrams and that concept. Yeah. And people were kind of discussing it. I was like, well, I watched those movies and I thought, oh yeah, they're fine. And then like, you know, the disc- I should say The Last Jedi specifically. Like we, oh, first time we ever saw a flashback in Star Wars, it kind of felt weird. Well, it was actually was like, Force Awakens. Wait a minute. Uh, I mean, I guess so. But that was sort of like a vision. So it was current time. It wasn't like a retelling of a story. But it was, we saw I mean, Little Ray. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I mean, here's the thing is like, I just didn't even think anything of it. Yeah, like yeah. the fact that somebody came along and was like, oh, now the sequel trilogy is doing flashbacks. And I go, I mean, I guess the other ones didn't do that. The, okay, I guess, you know, sure. Yeah. I, I don't really think anything of it. I just think it's like a, a when you, when it happens, it happens. And it, it doesn't feel strange to me like like. Star Wars has always been told in first person and now it's being told in third person or something. I, I just accept it as part of the story and it doesn't stand out to All me. Right. So I say, yeah, sure. Keep, keep, keep them coming. All right. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. John, let us know what you think. Um, and then we have our last one here. Nerdy underscore Seb at Sebast81300. Uh, if Star Wars told Old Republic stories, would you prefer it on Disney Plus in a series or theatrical films? Now, I think we've touched on this in the past, but it's mm-hmm. always good to refresh this stuff. So, James, Old Republic... I'm changing my answer. Yeah, where are you at? My, my answer previously, and I still think this is a fine answer, 
is that it was uh it should be told as a game of thrones style show yep. it should be a tv series they should keep going with it on and on and on um but i think and maybe this is a response a little bit to like what kendall's question was is like i don't know man three <laughs> big old republic movies is like the grand like we're doing it oh boom yeah. boom and, the then, rings, and then yeah. the fall of Fall of 2029, we're bringing you the the end of the Republic, or so you know what I mean. It's a episode three, not episode three, but you know what I mean. The third of the final end of the story, or something. I feel like that could be really cool, and maybe that's the fact that we've just been missing Star Wars movies, and I'm looking for a good one for them to have a big trilogy of. Um, to me, like it makes sense as a series. Now that we have it, I go, oh, you know what they should do? They should do a Republic. But this idea of them doing it as the trilogy to me really does sound very appealing. Yeah. What are your thoughts? I'm with you exactly on that. Until they're ready to increase the budget on this stuff. I loved Kenobi. And in my opinion, the last episode was my favorite episode of live action Star Wars um, series, TV, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think they did save a few of their budget nuggets for that episode, um, especially for the duel between Obi-Wan and Vader. But Bud gets. But, yeah. <laughs> but when, you compare it, when you compare it to Game of Thrones, it's just apples and oranges. Like Game of Thrones was so big in terms of its budget and spectacle and scale. Obi-Wan d- did feel more closed in. I know the story is supposed to be more intimate, so I, I get that maybe that's the, the approach they went there, but... They got to beef up the budget if they want to do something Old Republic, which is you, you, when you think Old Republic, you think big. You think Lord of the Rings, you know, Game of Thrones, sure. medieval, big time stuff. I don't know with the budgets they're doing for these shows right now, they could pull that off and make it good. So, I mean, we're also right around the corner from the Rings of Power. Yep. That's which is true. going to be even more On expensive. Amazon, yeah. Than uh, the the three movies. Yeah, and so the, I'm I, I'm going. I could be wrong on that, but I think the first season is more expensive than the three. Uh, really? Well, yeah. movies that they did. I mean, it was over know. twenty anyway. years ago. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I think my answer was also show at the time because I'm such a Game of Thrones fan. But with the budgets they're putting behind this stuff, I think you would have to do Old Republic, big budget, big heavy fat theatrical two and a half hour movies. So that's my answer there. So let us know uh, what your answer is. Appreciate the question. Nerdy Seb. And thanks to everybody. Because James, that takes us to the end of the show, man. So mm-hmm. thank you to everybody for listening and watching and being a part of TRB. It means a great deal. Make sure you are going to StarWarsNewsNet.com for all of your Star Wars news, reviews, editorials, information, and more. Uh, and also, James, why don't you reveal how they can now get our merch? It's a new thing that we have available. Oh, right. Yeah. So... We have been using uh, Spring, or as they're previously called, Teespring, uh, for a while now, and there was always sort of this unlockable thing that we couldn't reach, which was that 10,000 subscribers, and as you guys know, we crossed eight. We're moving towards that goal, Mm -hmm. but Spring um, decided to kind of let that go. They took the lock off. They said, you know, hey, Resistance Broadcast, if you want to be able to put your merch on YouTube then you know we we will allow that so it's kind of cool for us because it kind of gives the um youtube crowd a little bit of an opportunity to while they're watching the episode maybe see that mix solo two happen shirt that's just chilling there waiting you know 
um, maybe some, maybe our regular logo or a new design like a jackfish that we have had up and they go oh i didn't even know they had that so it, i don't know for us it's it's kind of a cool thing it's a new way um to kind of showcase our merch that we didn't have before because we don't really talk about it on the show very often yeah um it's kind of one of those things that we always have available but it's not like we're um you know slinging teas you know we're not like no always constantly trying to push that as a way for us to uh promote the show and to uh you know make it monetized for us you know what i mean like we think our patreon really carries that more than anything else we thank our patrons for that but we have our shirts available and now they're on youtube yeah so just check them out they're right there below the video and you can click and mm-hmm. and not even have to go anywhere so it's pretty cool um but uh yeah so uh, again you know lacy will be back next monday but you can find her uh as always uh at lacy gillerin on instagram and twitter uh, so a lot of people send her well wishes already, but continue to do so. Hopefully she's already on the men by the time this posts and we get her back as soon as we can. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Johnny Hoey, writing and editing at StarWarsNewsNet.com and my movie podcast, Just Like the Movies. Uh, we're going to be taking a little bit of a break because me and Mike are actually getting together um, this coming weekend. So we're going to skip ahead and do uh, Dirty Harry in the next couple of weeks. Uh, which is exciting because I hadn't watched that since I was a little kid with my dad. So uh, an old school Clint Eastwood flick. Um, but yeah, just like the movies on any audio podcast app. Uh, James, how about you? Um, well, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram, both at Myra Trunks. But I wanted to ask you a question about your show. Do you think you'll ever take like do a poll like for like, what do you guys want us to hear? One of these three pick, pick the you movie, get to pick the next one. Ooh, yeah, that's interesting. We haven't really talked about that yet, but we have had sometimes people I, like send us movies and we're like, oh, maybe, you know. Yeah. And there's always like, I feel like when listening to a specific episode, I it'll cause me to think of a movie because of a react, an actor that's in something else. And I go, man, they should do Fight Club or something, you know Ooh, what I mean? Or whatever Club. it is. Like, um, but then, but then there's no way to like, you know, it's, it's up to you two what you do. So yeah. I don't know. Well, thanks for listening, though, man. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, always. And thanks, everybody, for listening and watching uh, us here. We'll be back Thursday. It'll be me and James again. Uh, but we're going to mm-hmm. dip our toes a bit more into that sort of thing, that narrative. Are people hungry for more uh, theatrical Star Wars movies? What's the pulse of fans? And we're going to get into what our thoughts are and our feelings about that on Thursday. So we hope everyone has a great week. I uh, hope your August is off to a great start. It is Andor month, so we are almost there. And we'll see you all Thursday morning with another episode right here on TRB. See you around, kids.